0: If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door.
2: This is a podcast from Minute Media. All right, welcome in. It's an emergency edition of the Arrowhead Attic podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam here. Matt Verderam has just broken a pretty big story for the Chiefs Kingdom. We're going to get that report from him, but it sounds like Chiefs expect Eric Bieniemy to return as offensive coordinator. Verderam, give us the goods.
3: Yeah, uh, I've been working on this, trying to nail this down for the last week, week and a half. Uh, I was told this morning that the meeting between Eric uh, Bieniemy and Andy Reid, which had been talked about now for a while, has happened, that it, quote, went well. Uh was then told in a, in a subsequent uh, bit of reporting that the Chiefs anticipate that Eric Bieniemy will return as their offensive coordinator in 2022. The contract is not signed yet. Uh, not everybody's in Kansas City, but the belief is that it will get done. Essentially... Um, I'm told that in mutual respect, the Chiefs wanted to allow Eric Banamy the opportunity to explore other places, whether that be the Saints head coaching job, which of course he interviewed for, uh, and also any other jobs involving play calling. Uh, however, that that uh, obviously did not materialize with the Saints. No other job has materialized it that would satisfy those those qualifications um, to this point. So while things can still change, no contracts been officially signed, uh, I am told that the Chiefs do believe uh, that Eric Bienemy will be back next year, uh, considering all, all those uh, factors. And I'm told that they want him back in 2022, but wanted to give him the opportunity to explore other avenues should they have been more attractive to him. So that's where we sit. But uh, the, the Chiefs had their meeting with him. Uh, Andy Reid was in California, so it was somewhat of an informal meeting. It wasn't like a big sit-down in an office, everybody's wearing a suit type of meeting, but that's that's where we're at. Just wanted to give everybody an update, and uh, ho- hopefully that brings a little clarity to a situation that for the last couple of weeks has been a really odd one uh, with not a lot of clarity in Kansas City.
2: Now I've got some questions. I know you've got to you've got to protect your sources, and obviously you you know you can't you can only elaborate so much on certain things that you're hearing, but. There's some interesting language in there, particularly the play-calling language. Obviously, the Chiefs, I think we all agree that the Chiefs want the best for Eric Bieniemy. They've allowed him to interview for head coaching jobs for seasons, brought him back. They like what he's been able to do with them and their offense with Patrick Mahomes. However, it was interesting that you noted that it wasn't just you know head coaching jobs they were allowing him, but they were allowing him to explore things with Correct. other teams. Do you have any indication on on why he would want to explore calling plays for another team other than the Chiefs? Is it is it because he maybe feels that he's he's not getting a fair shake because of, of Reed and Mahomes and all of those things with other teams and and how they view his work in Kansas City?
3: You know, it's hard to say, um, but I think what is fair to say, like I said, I was, I was told specifically that the Chiefs wanted to let the Saints interview play out, see if he got the job. Of course, he didn't. Dennis Allen got that job, who was already the defensive coordinator. Um, And then they wanted to let him, Eric Biannimi, explore other opportunities that involved him being able to have uh, the play calling. Now, you could draw an inference from that, that he maybe would like more control in an offense than he has in Kansas City. We all know with Andy Reid, look, Eric Biannimi has a lot of influence. He's very important to them. At the same point, uh, Andy Reid is always going to be the top man on the totem pole with that offense. It's just that's always how that's going to be while he's in Kansas City. And so I think it was an opportunity for Eric Bieniemy after a disappointing loss. Although I don't think it would have changed much even if they won the Super Bowl. I think they, they were going to let him look around and see what was out there. You know, earlier in the offseason, he had, or actually, I think during the, uh, during the playoffs, earlier, he had an interview with Denver um, before they went with Nathan- Nathaniel Hackett. And so ultimately, the Chiefs were going to let him kind of go out there again i'm told and literally using this verbatim out of mutual respect uh they were going to let him seek other jobs if they if he felt those jobs were a better fit for him if they basically helped him to get to being a head coach or got him to being a head coach directly but in, in the end uh it, it appears and again they anticipate he will be back as their offensive coordinator based off of the NFL landscape and what's out there and what's available they think that ultimately he's going to come back they want him back, um, but the contract has not been officially signed. It has not been officially right. signed. So uh, nothing is 100%. He could, he, could, he could still find a job in, in, in the in 11th hour that he says, this is great, this is exactly what I want. But based off of how the NFL looks, what the Chiefs believe out there, um, what, what you see as, as out there, they, they are anticipating the hill return.
2: And I know you've got to go in a couple of minutes because you're going to hit the radio circuit, but we're going to bring Matt Connor in in just a minute to, to help break some of this down and, and give some of the fan reaction. But I want to ask you, for Eric, what other positions are out there? I think it, it's important to, to make level set everything for everybody. He's not currently an employee of the Kansas City Chiefs. His, his contract right. is up, so he still does have to re-sign with the team. Obviously, if he still wants a head coaching job, coming back as offensive coordinator of Kansas City is a good high-profile place for him to be. Are there other offensive coordinators position still open out there or, or is there the potential for him to get some sort of like you know assistant head coach or you know those types of roles senior roles that might be out there with the team
3: i'm going to be totally transparent i have i have to look i have to look i mean this this came to me this morning and i've been working on nailing this down all morning look the, the bottom line though is there's no head coaching jobs available we know that much and as off- offensive coordinators again i will i will dig into that here today but most most, if not all those jobs I know are filled. I mean, at this point, the Rams filled their job with Liam Cohen. I know the Vikings filled uh I believe they filled their job uh after Kevin O'Connell was hired. And I believe Kevin O'Connell's probably gonna run the place anyway. He did he uh he had a big influence with uh with the Rams when they were winning their Super Bowl this year. But my my understanding of it is, and yes, Wes Wes Phillips was hired. Um, as the offense coordinator, son of Wade Phillips, so I think you know most of these teams at this point they they have their guys. I mean we're we're approaching March here. I mean that's you know and of all the teams that changed their 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 head coaches, I mean the Saints still have Pete Carmichael. Pep Hamilton is there now in Jackson. Or excuse me, in Houston. Um, over in Jacksonville, it's Press Taylor who got hired to work under Doug Peterson. So you know you've seen a lot of these jobs. I mean this is this is now where we are. It's just there's not many jobs out there. So I, I am looking at this. You know, The Dolphins hired Frank Smith as their offensive coordinator. So w- without having a full list in front of me, I don't want to say something that's inaccurate, but my, my belief and my understanding would be that it, it, the, the, the other opportunities are extremely minimal at this point for Biennemi. It feels as though if he hasn't gotten a job yet, it's, it's probably uh, not to be. And, of course, as you mentioned, he is not an employee right now the Chiefs. His contract expired. Their offensive coordinator gig is a pretty attractive one. And so even with maybe having to, you know, share a lot of the, the limelight, so to speak, with Reed, um, that that might be a big reason why the Chiefs anticipate him being back is because there are not other jobs right now that they believe are, are more attractive
2: than their own. Got it. Okay, we're going to let you hit the radio circuit. We'll still, probably still be here when you're done, so feel free to hop no, back we'll return. in. Great job, Matt. Awesome reporting. This is what you get with the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Not only do you get this great fan point of view, we think it's great. Um, hopefully you agree Uh, but we got our guy Matt Verderam he's tapped in he's got connections he sometimes knows what's going on I have to tell you that this emergency podcast was brought to you by Casey Bierko Casey Bierko has been our sponsor now for a number of months they're absolutely tremendous if you can make sure if you're in Kansas City make sure you head out to the beer hall they have there. It's great, they just celebrated an an anniversary. Their slogan just popped up on the screen, dare to beer different. Uh, I'm not drinking right now because it's 11 a.m. and you know, I'm not on vacation or anything, but uh, I got the Pure Pills right here, which I love. It's great for washing down barbecue. I actually got a, my wife got me, you guys are gonna like this, a subscription of Box for Christmas. So like every month I just get this huge box of like, brisket and pork shoulder and I'm just going to fire up the, the smoker uh, and there's nothing better to wash down some, some some homemade ribs or some ribs from Joe's or some of the other places that don't sponsor us yet with the pure pills. It's absolutely terrific. If you could do us a favor, if you like the show, if you appreciate Matt's reporting, if you appreciate Matt Connor and Mai's terrible takes, if you appreciate Sterling Holmes' incredibly, perfectly coiffed hair, then reach out to at Casey Beer Co. on Twitter. Let them know that you heard about the product on this podcast and please give it a try. If you see it in the store, it's uh, it, it's really important um, that we're moving some beers for these guys. So they keep sponsoring us. So you can keep getting these great reports and these terrible takes um, bringing on Matt Connor. Now the uh, editor of arrowhead addict.com, obviously kind of a whirlwind. We were all sitting actually in, in a chat group chat, talking about the podcast and scheduling and fun stuff like that. And Vertigram just drops. A, I don't, what, what are we going to call these? Like, Verta bombs, Matt, Matt bombs. I don't know. We need, we need some sort of phrase for these. He's got the word ram. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's, that's, what, that's pretty good. That's the way to do that's it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um. So obviously a lot of reactions to this, it's nothing set in stone, right? The report is, I want to be clear about Matt's report. Not that the enemy is coming back, but that the chief that is expected that he will return. And as Matt just said in in the last segment, it kind of makes sense, right? You're looking at this and if you're, if you're an outsider, I don't want to say if you're Eric Bannami, but if, if it were you and you want to be a head coach, or you want to continue to advance in your profession, pretty much, it seems like your options at this point are, unless some team comes in at the last minute with some sort of senior title or, you know, assistant head coach or something like that, your options are return as the offensive coordinator of the Kansas city chiefs with hall of fame, offensive players and Andy Reed and Mahomes and all that, or sit out a year. And I don't think, it makes sense to sit out of here unless you just need a mental break. Um, what's your take on this news?
4: Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it, um, what I like about this, other than like seeing, I think we'd all love to see EB get a job that he wants outside of Kansas city, not to get him out of Kansas city, but like when a guy has, has so obviously desired to get his own head coaching role that even Andy Reed is like going to bat for him saying, Hire him. He's great. You know, like like he's a quality guy, a great leader, a, a guy I trust. So what I love about this is this should silence everyone who wants to create more drama between the team and the figure. Um, as if Andy Reid was like ready to wash his hands of Eric Bieniemy. I mean, uh, look, if the Chiefs wanted to walk away, they could walk away right now. For some reason, uh, you know, if the, if there was really some, if there was like some, you know, something toxic about having Eric bien around these players or on this coaching staff, like this would not be unfolding right now. So what I love for the sake of all the drama and all the naysayers and even that like EB report that emerged and it was taken offline and all like, like there's a lot more to say about all that. But But on the macro level, what I love about this is what it is, what it says about the level of assumed toxicity in the culture of, Arrowhead at this point versus what's real there, and the truth is, here's a guy who who has not got a job, can't get a job, and yet his own team is like, well, I mean, you're welcome back here, and if you need to go think about things, you can, and if you want to, you know, the enemy's fifty-two. Here, here's the other part of this: guys like Sean mcveigh were hired at thirty-two, right? So yeah. you've got a guy like you've got a guy like Eric the let's assume that McVay is going to get fired at some point and then rehired by 52, right? Like, um, or he'll just be the next Andy Reed and just last there for 20 years. But, but like Eric B ability to get a head coaching job, he's not going to be maybe one of these guys who are going to get a chance and then a retread and all that. Like he's already well into his prime hiring years. So it doesn't yeah. surprise me at all to see him go, man, I, I need some time. I know that returning is automatically working with Mahomes. I know it means I work with a team I love. I know a, a system I, I clearly, you know, inside and out have had input into. But it doesn't surprise me at all that Eric B enemy was like, "Yo, maybe I need to like significantly rethink things because what I thought was a golden path has not has not been
2: yeah it's really you know the whole thing and I gotta I gotta be honest with you, the reaction that I'm seeing from chiefs fans and, and some in this chat and and some on Twitter. So here's some things that confuse me about the enemy and and the chiefs and all this stuff. I often see people saying, well, the enemy's not getting a job because these teams really know that it's Reed who calls all the plays. Reed gets all the credit, right? The enemy's just a puppet. he's there just relaying stuff for Andy Reed. I see that a lot. Then I also see, he sucks. We need a change. I see a lot of like, the enemy sucks. He's terrible. We need to move on. We need a change. So I see that. That's, that's confused. Those two things don't seem to line up to me. Right. Is it, is it Andy calling the plays or is it Eric Bannemi? Right. I think what we we don't know, right? Like we don't know exactly how they do everything. We only know the bits and pieces that we hear from Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes. What we hear from the team is that Andy Reed loves Eric enemy, thinks he's great. Thinks he should be a head coach. Like, I think sometimes we have to stop making assumptions as a fan base and as the media and look at what's actually happening in front of us. They, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, I, mean, I see people saying like, oh, Andy Reid's too loyal. You know, listen, he's, he's a loyal guy for sure, I think. We've seen that in his career. But this is the Kansas City Chiefs. This is an NFL team. It's not a friggin' charity. Right? <laughs> if Eric Bieniemy was if, – if Patrick Mahomes hated Eric Bieniemy, if it was all a disaster, all of these things are true – if he doesn't really call plays, if he has no actual use, if the team needs a change, they'd make a change. when they needed when things weren't working out with Bob Sutton, was, was Andy Reed like, I'm too loyal to Bob Sutton. I'm not going to make a change for my defense. No, he brought in Steve Spagnolo and the team won at Super Bowl. The people that are like the, the, the E.B sucks crowd, first of all, you have no idea. You do, don't you just like I'm not trying to be a dick, but like you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You have no idea whether E.B is good at his job or not. Neither do I. What I do know is what Andy Reed is saying and what Patrick Mahomes is saying, and what what is happening in front of my face, which is this man keeps being brought back to help lead in some way, the, the one of the best offenses in the NFL over the last four or five years, a team that has gone to four straight AFC championship games, a team that went to two straight Super Bowls. So, like... I get the like we've talked about this you and I before on the show about like sometimes people just want something new for the sake of, of of being you know being new yeah and the last memory we have of Kansas City Chiefs football is an anemic offense that you know crapped its pants and and lost a chance to go to the Super Bowl and so I understand the thing well maybe it is time to change things up and I do think sometimes new ideas are good but like the thing that kills me and I sorry it's a little rant here but I needed to get this out <laughs> like. The thing that kills me too is all the calls to bring back Matt Nagy. People are like, we got to bring back Matt Nagy. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second. So you're t- you're telling me that you're desperate to get and I'm not trying to denigrate Matt Nagy, but you're desperate to get the guy back from Chicago who had was it was, it was an offensive disaster last year you want to get him back and get rid of the other guy whose team was in the AFC championship game. I I just, I don't understand it. It's just all really perplexing to me. So I I'm done. I'm going to turn it over to you to go ahead and unpack all that.
4: Hey, no, that's, I think that's well said. I, I don't get it either. I don't get so many facets of the against EB arguments. You know, the, the idea, you know, I mean, Matt Nagy was here for a year. So what do we even know about what he like, it was Doug Peterson, then Matt Nagy, and we just think, oh, okay, well, EB's going to be next, and then EB stalls, and then more stalls. And, you know, we're like, is there something to be taken from half the NFL not hiring this guy? Maybe, maybe. Is that anything that we can know for sure? Absolutely not. What can we know? Andy Reid says, I like this guy. I'm cool with him back. Mahomes and all the players, I like him back. We're taking, you know, we will read into, like, Oh, but I saw this on the sideline of a game or like to Chiefs kingdom credit who, who are against or for change in this instance, we, the last time we saw the chiefs, there was an offensive meltdown. So with that, as the lasting taste into the off season, it doesn't surprise me that people are like, I'm looking for someone or something to blame here. Give me a reason why I wasn't watching the chiefs like in the the super bowl. So like, I get that facet here. Welcome back, Matt, by the way, we're, we're talking about breaking down, you know, sort of the people who hate um, who are looking for a change just for the sake of making change. So I, yeah, the point is, and we've both been making the same point that, you know, we have to admit what we don't know. We can't project negative things just because we think we want to know something. We have to take the chiefs at their word. And I'll, I'll leave with this. There was a lot of buzz around like, oh, things real, like the wheels were like falling off this year and late this year. Like, oh, look at the meltdown. Oh, look at the sideline things I'm trying to interpret. Look at all this, like whatever itself as if. And and I think what's lost in that is you got like everyone was describing Eric B as if he was like some brand new hire in that moment. Who was like the fly in the ointment and needs to be ousted? And I'm and I'm just going. These are guys who've worked together for ten years, probably spending more time with each other than their own families. If you think that Eric Bieniemy was suddenly not knowing how to communicate a play, or or suddenly like untrustable with play calls, or like got real selfish all of a sudden here at the very end, or couldn't make relationships work that had been working for years and years and years. I just find it insane that something now is toxic between Kelsey and the who've been on the same sideline since 2013. I, I just think that stuff's bananas. So, you know, if you want to read something into, he can't get the job. I get some of that, but to then into anything beyond what we know, you know, I think what we have to do is just shrug and say, I don't know why he's not getting hired. There's something there. However, his own team wants him back. He's back. Everyone swears by him. So I have to know that too and be okay with the tension of not knowing what I don't know.
2: Uh, back from his stint on, on the radio spreading the good word of the Aero hadatic podcast of his report. What's your take on, on this like weird sort of way, like all of a sudden Chiefs fans, like I don't know if it's because of this weird report that was out or whatever it was, but all of a sudden people are like, this is terrible. The enemy sucks. I mean, I, why like why do you think
3: that because they they struggled in the second half of the ac championship game because i got to tell you if you want to start putting blame on people he's probably third on the list behind their 500 million dollar quarterback and their head coach who doesn't run against a three-man box like that's right now that's not, that's not to absolve the enemy either by the way because he's on the sideline he's your offensive coordinator and he does have a lot of influence on what they do okay but i i also look at it and say that to all those people so the second half of the game was awful, right? And they lose. And that's fine. The first two playoff games, they scored 42 points in each of those games. And they scored 21 points in the first half of the Cincinnati game. Like, it, that's it's pretty damn good. It's a pretty damn good output. Down the stretch, they were lighting teams up left and right, right? Lit Pittsburgh up, lit the Raiders up, offensively lit Cincinnati up in the game they lost. They lost because the defense couldn't go off the field. They couldn't stop anybody. They were they they lit the Chargers up like a Christmas tree on that Thursday night football game, right? So I guess there's a point part of me that's just like, what are we what are we talking about, right? Like I understand the feeling of just lost the AFC title game, something's got to change, but does something really have to change? Like you're up twenty one to three in the AFC title game, we just finished the game, and you're in the Super Bowl. I, I don't yeah. know. They've got, you know, look, I don't want to be that, that fan base that it's like if they don't win the Super Bowl every then everybody's a disaster and everybody has to go. And what are we doing? Like, I remember, like, after the Pats lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl, and there were like a couple stories of, you know, is it time for Belichick? Like, what are you kidding? <laughs> like, he's Belichick, for God's sakes. So you're not going to fire that guy. Now, the enemy is not Belichick, but he's a good offensive coordinator and he's well respected. I will say this I don't care with due respect what anybody says because I know this for a fact. I've talked to people in and around the Chiefs for years at this point. I have never heard anybody in that building have a negative thing to say about Eric Biennami. It doesn't mean that there's never been tension. It doesn't mean that there's never even been some people that don't like Eric Biennami, right? But as far as what I've heard, I've never had somebody say to me, man, you know, we really hope he gets a head coaching job because, you know, hey, yeah, we're rooting for him, but also like it wouldn't be the worst thing. Okay. (laughs) And let me tell you, that happens in the NFL. There are plenty of times where teams are like, you want to interview our guy? Yeah, we'll fly him out to you. If you want to do that? That'd be great. Th- that's not the case with the enemy. But like I said and have reported, they wanted to give him an opportunity this offseason to interview with the Saints, to potentially fulfill a, a lifelong ambition or a career-long ambition to be a head coach. Uh, that didn't work. He went. Dennis Allen was elevated from defensive coordinator. And then they wanted to give him other opportunities to explore if there were jobs out there regarding play calling where he could go and he felt was a better fit for him and maybe a job where he could, you know, I hate to term, you know, spread his wings a little bit in terms of of maybe uh, getting more on the head coaching radar because look, we've all heard it, right? It's out there. Like a lot of people think, well, how much influence does he really have in Kansas City? And I think, I think that's, that's where it's at. But now, with everything happening the way it has around the NFL, they expect that he'll return. But I don't understand the, the fervor with the fan base. It's like, well, they don't want to bet. Why? Based off what? I mean, I, I see, you know, uh, Mike in the chat saying Spags has been terrible, but the enemy has choked in big games. Mike, I, I'd push back on that. I mean, what constitutes a big game? The 38 points they scored in the AFC title game last year or the 42 points they scored in the wild card round, the divisional round, the 21 points they scored in the first half of the AFC title game? What about the 51 they scored against Houston, or the 35 against Tennessee, or the 31 against the best defense in the league in the Niners, and 21 in the last seven minutes? Like, Does none of that count because they had a bad half of football? I mean, if, you, if you're if you married, okay, and I, since the three of us here are, are, are guys, we're all married. If you're married and you have an argument with your wife, and it's been marital bliss for two years, and you have an argument over how you're going to tile the kitchen. Do you just file for divorce? I mean, is it like you'd get everybody in the damn mother to be divorced 50, 50 times in their life, right? Like you 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 work through it. And I think sometimes we're all and we're all guilty of this. Like you you can be a prisoner of the moment, and you can look at something and go, "Well, that that is my last memory of it." So I'm I'm pissed. I want change, guys. I mean, in Mahomes' playoff career, and I don't have the number right. I think it's something like they've averaged 35 points a game. Like that's astronomical. Like in a, in the playoffs, you're playing the best teams in the league. So I don't I don't think that's fair. I don't. And in the and in the one game, by the way, where they were totally shut down offensively with their nine, but they had no offensive line. Like I, I mean, Vince Lombardi could have coached a team that night. They weren't winning. So right. I I don't think I don't think it's fair to them.
2: I really don't. Yeah, it, I agree. It's I think it's a little bit of crazy talk. It's a little bit of prisoner of the moment with people. I mean, this is a team. It, it, they want to. I, like, I, I, before, before you came back, Matt, I was, I was saying to, to Matt Connor, you know, it's crazy to me that, like, people, people are often saying things like, Eric Bianami doesn't do anything. That's why he can't get a job. He just stands there. Andy Reid's the one who calls all the plays. But then the second things go bad, it's we got to get rid of Eric Bannemi. Right. He's the problem. That doesn't make any sense. And also, what about just how this last season played out? You could look at the offense early on. They were they were really good, but there were a lot of problems. And then they turned everything around. They stopped turning the ball over. They made great adjustments to the way that teams were playing them. And they went on a great winning streak. And and that took them all the way to the AFC championship game. Was Eric Bieneme not involved in any of that? Did he not have anything to do with that? Or does he only step in when the team starts playing crappy on offense? And now it's like, oh yeah, Eric Bienemy, it's it's all him. I mean, it's it's just crazy. And and if, I really do think this is a team sport, and I think Andy's doing it the right way. He's the offensive guru. We all know that. It's his ship. And if you're going to be the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, uh, it's probably going to be a little bit different than, say, if you're Brian Dayball in Buffalo, right? And you've got a defensive-minded head coach. Right. You may have a little bit more leeway with the play calling and those types of things. But it's still like Andy Reid. Why does everybody love Andy Reid? Coaches players they've done whole round tables on espn and nfl network about with people who come from the andy Reid coaching tree and how much they all love him why why do they love him let me tell you somebody as a manager myself whenever i'm not letting people like spread their wings whenever i'm being overbearing or not letting people do things that doesn't work out well for me it's something i had to learn as a manager it's one of the things that makes andy reed great he's these people don't love Andy Reid because he does everything and then they just get jobs because Andy Reid's great. It's because they learn things. And it's because he trusts them to execute.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, a- again, this team has been the most successful team in football for four straight years. There's no arguing that. They've been to two Super Bowls. They won one of them. They've hosted four straight AFC title games. I, I mean, I-, I don't know what you want. Like, I think everybody's been so spoiled by what the Patriots did. Right, and it's like if you're a great team, then that's what you do. No, that's that's bullshit. That's not what you do. That team is the outlier of all outliers in NFL history. That is not what you do. And by the way, and I'm not taking this away from them because they were incredible in the playoffs, and obviously that that's where it counts. They were in a division that was a joke for 20 straight years. Okay, like I literally will. You guys want a fun uh, homework assignment? Go back and look at the 20 years of the quarterbacks and the coaches in that division while Brady and Belichick were together. Like honest to God, the best quarterback, the best was Favre for one year and Chad Pennington. Those are the best quarterbacks. The third best guy, inarguably, is Mark Sanchez. Hey, the best, the best coach, the best coach over those 20 years. Oh my God. I can't. I mean, Rex Ryan. Rex, yeah. Right? Like Tony Sperano. I mean, that that's that's what you're talking about. The Chiefs are in a friggin' division with with Herbert. And the Raiders are at least respectable, and Denver's are respect. I mean, the Chiefs have no. There's no weak sister in the AFC West. It's going to win three games next year, so it's hard, man. Like in that four-year stretch, they had to beat out this year a, a, another playoff team, the, and 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 the Chargers didn't even make the playoffs. They had to, one of those years. The Chargers went twelve and four. They had to beat them out in 2016. They had to beat out the Raiders, who went twelve and four, and they beat them out because they swept them. I mean. Look, at some point, I do think you have to be realistic and look at the situation and go, guys. Like, here's the full list. And I've said this before, but here's the full list, the full entire list in NFL history of, of quarterbacks who have won more than 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 two championships, two Super Bowls in Super Bowl year. Aikman with three, Bradshaw with four, Montana with four, Brady with seven. That's the entire list. This notion that they should just win six Super Bowls because they have Patrick Mahomes is bonkers. Like, that's just not realistic. Peyton Manning is, I think, in my lifetime, the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in terms of just everything put together. The man won one Super Bowl before he was decrepit, and then he was dragged to another one. Like, so I I think what the Chiefs have done is incredible. And by the way, who's the Super Bowl favorite next year? Them, again, again. And they they get a 50 million in cap space as they go into this. Like it's I would warn against people that want to just blow it all up and blow up the offense. Like you've got a good thing going. I'm not saying Bienemy's perfect. There's certainly things we've talked all year about some of their offensive struggles and I haven't been consistent. But is that an Eric Bieneme thing? Is that an Andy Reed thing? That's a hard notion to to really get into from the outside. And I and I think it's worth like like would it really shock you if they lost the enemy and then the Chiefs' offense still had all these stalls? I, mean, no. I just don't think that that's some one size fits all answer. I really don't.
4: No, but he makes for a real easy scapegoat, right? I mean, we right. just talked about the la- the lasting taste into of the off season is is that loss. When you watch fifteen, sixteen other franchises say no thanks, including the New York Jets, like twice, you know. By the way, then you begin to go, oh, well, if he's no good for them, and we just looked no good then maybe together and and i think i think then that's where it falls on fans to not try to put that together because then you start saying what you don't know and if enough of that gets out there it becomes the narrative that sticks even if it's just like complete bananas i remember being in like i was in music journalism before sports for a long time and every time you talk to an artist they're like Oh, like the like the album that they're promoting, they're like, I think this is my best work yet. And you're like, looking back, you're like, okay, well, is that not true about your last album or the last album before? But the truth is, whatever is new is what's sexy, right? So the fact that this guy's been here for 10 years, suddenly a retread Matt Nagy recycle is sexier than Eric B. Enemy being here for a tenth for a tenth year. <laughs> it's uh, so and- absurd. It, it is absurd, but that's the nature of everything culturally. Is that if it's yeah. if it's new and shiny, even if it's like new and shiny again to us, then it's better than what we've had before in most instances. And so I think that's what's happening here to EB unfairly.
3: Just to build on that real quick, like, can anyone tell me what the last game was that Matt Nagy was part of with the Chiefs? Was that the the Indianapolis comeback? Nope. Can nope. anybody can, does anybody remember even in the chat out there? What was his last game as your offensive coordinator? For the guy that everybody's like, oh. we've got to have him. We've got to have Matt. The, what was this the Steelers game? game? They was blew it a Steelers damn twenty-one to three lead in the playoffs against the Titans. The Titans. Mm. So just spare me this whole like, oh, if if he comes in, it's going to change everything. Really? Because I got to tell you, <laughs> it reminds me an awful lot of what the hell happened five years ago when they had a twenty-one to three lead against Marcus Mariota and couldn't score a point in the second half of the game. Literally not a point. So everybody was like, well, God. If we get Matt Nagy and he replaces Eric Bienemy, the offense is going to spring to life. First of all, it doesn't have to spring to life. It's averaging 30 points a game. Like, you know right. what needs to spring to life? Their pass rush. That needs to spring to life. Their offense yeah. is fine. Like, I get it. Look, guys, we're all in the same boat here. I was as annoyed as anybody watching that AFC title game. Probably even more annoyed than some of you because I had to delete my column. Which the twenty-one to three was oh look at that third straight Super Bowl and then I had to hit the lead on the whole thing because <laughs> they couldn't do anything in the second half of the game. Okay, that being said, like I'm not nobody's perfect. Eric Bieniemy's not perfect. There's certainly things that you can get into about Eric Bieniemy that you'd like to see change, and they all tie into their offense and maybe being too rigid. May, maybe maybe you you don't think that uh, Andy has enough of a checks and balances. Whatever, whatever the case may be. Okay, but. I really just look at this and say, like, you really think the grass is greener on the other side of this? You really think that? And and by the way, I'm not I'm not uh, abject to change. Like, I would scream for five friggin' years. They should have fired Bob Sutton. Okay, you know yeah. why? Because unlike Eric Binti, Bob Sutton didn't get results. That defense stunk. That was the most predictable defense in the world the last three years he was here. They couldn't stop anybody. Okay, and by the way, I think somewhere in a faraway land, Bob Sutton just called for cover two man under again. I'm pretty sure that they're running again. All right, yeah. we will not blitz. We will not run a stunt or twist. We will bring four. It will be straight up the field, like it's like it's one of those games where like you have the slot that you got to move the guy. Right? It will be four <laughs> straight ahead. We will we will not double. We will not help in the middle. And by the way, if we want to throw something at you that you're not going to expect, here's Justin Houston on Antonio Brown on a go route. <laughs> okay, Eric Enemy, There's none of that. So I I really look. I get it. I understand the frustration. And I and by the way, you're allowed to feel however you want to feel. But my personal opinion on this is he's a really good coach. Like he yeah. is. And I and I think if they if they were to lose him, do I think they'd crater? No, because I do believe Reed runs the offense. But I think Bieny has a lot of sway. I think he's very well respected. And if they lost him, I do
2: believe it would be a hole to fill. I do. It's a good offense. It's a really good offense. And yeah, sometimes they might need to reload or make adjustments because the rest of the NFL is going to adjust to what they are doing. But to think that like the Chiefs have to have a, a, another offensive coordinator to get fresh offensive ideas is crazy. We know that Andy Reid routinely takes and implements ideas from his players, from offensive linemen, from Travis Kelsey, from Patrick Mahomes, and puts them in, goal line packages, things like that. If they want, there are sharp offensive minds all around the NFL. They don't have to hire an offensive coordinator. They can hire an offensive assistant, bring somebody in. Remember what they did with uh, Brad Childress when he was like spread game analyst or whatever, right? Like right. there's all kinds of different ways. If Andy's like, Hmm, I want, I want some different opinions. I want to shake things up. If you want to get mad at somebody about the offense or about the collapse, get mad at Andy Reed because the buck stops with him, right? It stops with Andy. You want to get rid of Andy Reed. I don't start that crazy talk. Right. But you know, if you want if you want to see the Chiefs run more against 3 man boxes, guess who has the final say on something like that? It ain't Brett Beach, it's Andy Reid. It's not Eric Bieniemy, it's Andy Reid. If Andy Reid if if if, if Bieniemy's calling all the plays and he's calling for all these passes, and by the way he's a running back, um if he's calling for all these passes, do you think Andy Reid if he really thought that it was going to cost the team the game that they should be running the ball that he can't, he doesn't have the authority to be like, "Eric, run the freaking ball. There's three men in the box." You, it's you his ever- team.
3: You ever notice that Andy Reid in the sideline has a menu in front of him that looks like the Cheesecake Factory menu? Like it's, it's one of the <laughs> yeah, biggest things i have ever seen in our life. Like he yeah. he's not holding that so he can get like a good suntan. I mean, right. <laughs> I sometimes I really and, I, and I'll repeat this again because I think it's important. Like the Chiefs would be enemy, per my report. My understanding this morning, they wanted to give him the opportunity to interview with the Saints. Okay. He did. The interview lasted a long time. He didn't get the job, went to Dennis Allen. They also wanted to allow him to explore. And he wanted to explore play calling opportunities. Okay. Now he's right now still a free agent coach and the chiefs have an opening technically at offensive coordinator, but that would lend you to believe that bit of reporting. What I was told would lend you to believe that either he does not have full control of the play calling, which shocker or um, that he maybe has a hand in it, but, but certainly not, not anywhere near what you would as an offensive coordinator who maybe works in Buffalo where the, where the coach is a defensive minded head coach. Okay. Do I think that's holding him back and getting a job? I don't, because we've seen Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson walk out of there with jobs. I think there's a lot of factors as to why Eric Bannemi hasn't gotten a job yet. Okay? You know, if, and, and, and a lot of it's already been pontificated about, I'm not going to go through 18 different reasons why, but do I think it hurts him that he's the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs? No, I, I don't believe that. I don't think that that's a reason that he hasn't been a head coaching job, and there's myriad of other reasons. And again, you know what? Maybe the fans that don't want him back, maybe they'll get their way. Maybe at the 11th hour, something comes open. Maybe he he decides, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm taking a year. Or maybe uh, I'm, just, I'm just not willing to come back for whatever the reason. But again, my understanding of it is they had a meeting. It was informal with he and Andy Reid. It went well. And the Chiefs anticipate that he'll be back. They want him back. Um, the contract's not signed yet because everybody kind of scatters after the season. But there appears to be no real urgency with the Chiefs. Uh, because they believe he's coming back. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But I, I think what has kind of been painted, and maybe maybe almost painted in silence as this real like tension-filled situation, my, my read on it is it's not at all. Like that there's not a, a lot of tension with this. It's really much more, hey, man, look, go out and see if you can get what you want elsewhere, if you can fulfill your, your ambitions. If you can't, we're, we're waiting with open arms, and we'd love to have you back. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And I think, you know, what was written last week, what was put out there painted it as this really, like, there's a lot of hostility. Not at all. Not, not from what I'm told.
2: Not at all. Matt, I want to ask you, what's your feel if, if the chiefs, if, if the enemy were to not come back for whatever reason, sure. you know, just, he decides he wants to take a year off and the chiefs have been very, they they weren't like aggressive, right? I think if they really wanted to replace him with his contract being up, they would have needed to be aggressive and try to get themselves a top candidate back when all the top candidates were getting hired. So what's your take on what would happen or or what the plan was? What was the backup plan if EB did get a head coaching job? Was it for Reed to call the plays? Is there an, maybe an internal candidate that they were going to, you know, that they have tabbed to to move into that role? Because their their actions seem to indicate, boy, we'd sure like to have EB back, but we're not, wait, like, we've got a plan for if he doesn't come back.
3: That's hard to say. I have not asked that. I mean, my my guess would be, my two cents would be that, Look, I think Matt Nagy would be an obvious candidate. I think everybody's connected those dots already. But I also think, look, the Chiefs' lack of movement on this kind of tells you what they think, doesn't it? I mean, now with this with being able to report this and getting some insight from from this source, the Chiefs just do not seem very worried about it. It's really I mean, the Chiefs seem very like, okay, it's fine. We're not concerned. Like it it does not feel like, oh, he's gonna leave and now what? It's more like, hey, look, you looked around, there wasn't anything better out there you know, and, and we want him back. And I think if he were to leave, if for whatever reason he, you know, th- their anticipation is incorrect, then I think it just becomes one of these things where it's like, all right, well, is it Matt Nagy? Do you promote from within? Um, I think they would just want familiarity with the offense, which obviously both those options you'd have. So I think that's how they'd go. And, and I think if you're if you're the Chiefs, that makes the most sense, right? Like you're not going to bring in somebody who doesn't share Reed's philosophy, doesn't know Reed's philosophy. And
2: I, and I think that that's probably where they would go. All right, since this is turning out to be our show for the day, yeah, um, let's touch on some other topics real quick. Uh, obviously, on the defensive side of the ball, that's where we expect there to be a lot of activity for the Chiefs this offseason. Uh, Anthony Hitchens was was cut. Sterling and I talked about that on Tuesday. Uh, Verham, you touched on it a little bit. Matt, you were out. right? So as these dominoes start to fall, as Brett Veach starts to line up how he wants his offseason to go, the next big domino to fall is Frank Clark. And Frank Clark's in an interesting situation if he were to be cut. The Chiefs will save a bunch of cap money either way, but they'll save more if they cut him after June 1st than if they cut him before June 1st. The rub on that, obviously, is if they cut him before June 1st, they get they get less cap money saved, but that's free agency. That's the draft. That's like the time where you need a lot of money, whereas post-June 1st, there's not as many people floating around that there sometimes get guys get cut and so on and so forth that you need money for. So Matt Connor, what's your take on how the chiefs may approach Frank Clark or do they bring him back?
4: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I it wouldn't surprise me to see really anything goes here. I mean, I, I, it makes most sense to me that he's going to be gone at the same time. You know, you like you have to think about a potential restructure here. At least that has to be, that has to be like on the table um, because of the cost that you get with dead cap space. Plus the cost to replace a guy like Frank, if if Clark is if Clark is amenable to returning for, you know, a lesser amount like like they did with LDT in the past, like they've done with Alex Okafor. I mean, so the Chiefs have gone down this road before with veteran guys asking them to come back and take less to play for a very good team that's always going to be in contention. So if Clark is amenable to that, at the same time, Frank Clark's twenty eight years old. Uh, no matter what you think about the Pro Bowl, he's made three straight Pro Bowls. There are some marketable things for his agent to put out there for someone to bite on. Um, if the Chiefs like set him free, he could be up for you know an- another payday. So um, I just saw some trade column floated out there that she's trying to trade him. I'm not sure who would bite on that, especially knowing the predicament that they're in. But at the very it's least trade
0: that, for Frank Clark.
4: Yeah, yeah, that makes it's no so sense to me. So. No. It wouldn't surprise me if there's conversations about you know some sort of restructure. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we just saw them wipe the slate clean. Said Chris Jones, "You're back," and then and then there's our cornerstone to rebuild on.
3: So if they cut Frank Clark, they save twelve point six, twelve point seven million. In, in it's up to cap- like
4: nineteen post June first, right? Well,
3: post June first, right? But but if they cut him today. It's like twelve, seven, but they eat over thirteen million in dead money. Yeah. You know, that I, that seems to be a thing that nobody ever mentions when they're like, just cut them, just cut it's like, okay, I I hear you. But as far as the cap number's concerned, you're still paying them 13 and a half million dollars. Now that's a hell of a lot better than paying them 26, okay, which he's on the hook for right now. But it's got to be factored in. Look, like you mentioned, do you restructure? Them? And I mentioned that and, and I had a couple people scream at me, like, oh, you're kicking the can down the road. Yeah. You are, but you're not, right? Like, Add a year to the contract, kick a bunch of money into that third year, just make it non guaranteed, and guarantee him money this year and maybe a little bit next year. And now, okay, you've kept him, but instead of the cap it being twenty six million dollars, it's thirteen. Well, you're already paying him thirteen. Like, let's even say you got the cap number to fifteen million, right? You're still saving eleven million dollars, and now you have Frank Clark. Like, you're basically paying him a million and a half in that scenario, because you're already paying him 13.5, no matter what. So if you get him at 15, okay, really you're paying for one and a half million because you're going to, you're paying regardless at 13. I don't think a June 1st, a post June 1st cut makes a lot of sense for them. I don't, you can't, you don't get that money. till after June. What are you going to do with that? But you roll it over. Okay. Man. But I don't, I don't think if you're the chief, you want the money now. You want the money now to sign guys in free agency. Like that's, that's the way I see it and the way I view it. I don't I don't think it makes a ton of sense for them to go about cutting him post-June 1. Now, Hitchens is gone. Clark is really the only other guy to watch in terms of whether or not they're going to cut him. I don't think there's anybody else of any note anyway that they're going to release. Uh, this doesn't make any sense. So we'll see. Either way, look, either way, no matter what they do, they're saving money because they're not bringing him back on this cap hit. So he's either going to be cut or restructured. It's just a question of what. The big thing to watch, too, guys, what happens with Tyreek Hill? He's got one year left on his deal. He's got a $20 million cap hit. If they extend him, that would likely, based off of how they usually structure contracts, that'd bring it down to about $6 million, $7 million. And if they push Mahomes' money, which that contract is built to do, mm-hmm. it saves them $22 million against the cap. I mean, if look, between whether or not they cut a restructure card, let's say they save... Let's just say that for easy accounting purposes, 12 million bucks. Okay. They just saved eight and a half with Hitchens. So it's 20 and a half million. If they were to extend Hill, let's say they save, to be conservative, 13 million. Okay. they are up to 33 and a half. You push Mahomes' money, which that contract again is built to do. That's 55 and a half million dollars. Like they would have as much cash space as anyone in the NFL. So and, and I think I think they're going to be aggressive this off season. I truly do, and I think opening up that cap space obviously is a precursor to it.
4: That's J C Jackson money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh Lord, do you think? So I'm I'm curious what you guys think here. The Chiefs have the ability to open up a lot of money. They made this move almost like as soon as they could of, of cutting Anthony Hitchens. I think that's for a couple of reasons. I think primarily they have a hell of a lot of respect for Anthony Hitchens. They know he's not coming back. So releasing him as early as possible is, is somewhat of a, I know it's hard to say we getting fired is, is a favor to Anthony Hitchens, but it is, he's a veteran guy. They want to give him time to catch on with another team and they know for sure he's not bringing coming back with Frank. It's kind of interesting, right? Because, It's sort of like that money's like Frank's still a pretty productive player, maybe not based on what he's getting paid, but he's still a productive player and he's still a potential asset. I think he's a guy you'd like to have on the team. If it made sense, if it worked out depending on the other moves that you make. So it seems like Brett Veach is kind of waiting and seeing with Frank to see like, if he knew he definitely wasn't coming back and he wanted the money, he could just cut him now. But Frank could be an asset. Like maybe you need cap space after June 1st because You're going to make a trade or something like that, right? So you've got this flexibility. When we need the money, we do it. But from a priority standpoint, if you like, what's your first move? Is it cutting Frank Clark to open up cap space, or is it restructuring Mahomes' contract? What's what's the first one that's going to happen?
3: Clark, because the Mahomes thing is a push of a button essentially.
2: Like they they could
3: do that in five minutes. They don't need his permission to do that. They can just do it. So I think that that's almost procedural. Right. Like that's not yeah. something that they're going to have to like really work through. It's just like, okay, we want to do that. Boom, done. Send it into the league office. Uh, look, and, and by the way, Steve Cashman brings up a good point and he's right. Clark could re- refuse a restructure. Which he could force in Casey to cut him. He gets 13 million. He could sign anywhere for what he can get. And, and Steve, you're right. That's a hundred percent true. The reason though, Clark might want to restructure. If he does that, he may go out there. What is he going to get on the open market? Right? Like he, let's, let's say he got, I don't know, two years and, and, 20 million okay well if he does that so now that's 33 over two years the chief's probably paying more than that over two years right i mean over the course of two seasons like if they guarantee some money next year th- they're probably paying them more than that or maybe right about the same so if you're frank clark- also do you want to do you want to test out that theory like yeah what happens if look? he's look i and i like frank clark but he has not performed to the level that they expected well, let's just be real and you're talking about who's out on the market well I think right now Chandler Jones, Von Miller, Hassan Reddick, Emmanuel Agba, right? Uh Jadeveon Clowney, those guys, and I don't know that I agree on Clowney, but those guys are all seen as better options. Like it's not like if he hits the market, he's gonna be the best guy out there. I mean, Justin yeah. Houston was a hell of a lot more productive than Frank Clark, and he got two years and 22 million. So yeah. I'm not saying it won't happen. Like they could absolutely he and his agent could say, Hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna refuse to restructure and hit free agency. That could hundred percent that could happen. But if you're him, I don't know that it's just a no-brainer move to be like, I don't care. I want to hit the open market. It might work out for you. It might, it might really backfire. We'll see. It also doesn't help that he's got this looming, you know, this court situation over his head. It's gonna get suspended. Right. It's gonna to happen. To, I mean, I remember when that again, different court situations here to be to be clear. But I remember when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and Brashad Breland was hitting free agency. The expectation of the league was he was going to get like you know a ten million dollar a year deal he was going to get paid he had a great year and then it had if you remember uh, I I don't want to be wrong I forget what month it happened then but it happened in the off season. he had a situation where teams knew he was going to get suspended um, I cannot remember for the life of me right now I don't know if one of you guys did what the suspension there was a, what was it for an NFL violation but there was a suspension coming to him because he was suspended for the first I think it was three games of the season. And teams knew that he was going to get suspended. So in the end, he signed back with the Chiefs for like nothing. It was a one-year deal for like $4 million. Now, with Clark, there's more uncertainty. Like, is he going to get suspended? Is he not going to get suspended? What's going to happen? But it certainly doesn't help, right? Like teams, if he goes in and has a meeting with the teams, they're immediately going to ask about that. So that does hang over his head uh, a little bit. I'm curious to see how it plays out. My My ultimate guess is that he will get cut, but – I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked if they restructured him and he's back.
2: Matt Connor, do you want Frank
4: Clark back? Yeah, I'm not opposed to it. And and um, I, again, I think some of what we were talking about with EB applies here too. That something newer equals something better. But every guy coming through, like, I mean, do you, who do you want? Clowney? The moment that you lose Frank Clark, just like Matt said, not only are you paying the dead cap space, but who's who's left? Josh Kando, like Mike Dana, right. those are your two starting ends at this point if you lose Frank Clark. Yep. So, I, I, like, of course the Chiefs are going to restock the cupboard, but you're essentially starting from zero if you don't at least give yourself the chance for Frank Clark to return on a restructured deal. So everyone calling for, like, get him out of here, you know, whatever, I, I guess I just don't get it. A couple of those guys, Reddick. You know Von Miller, they're going to get their deals. The Rams are going to, you know, I mean for the for the draft bounty they paid for Von Miller, I'd be surprised if they let Miller leave. Um, And then at that point, you know, like what do you like? You going to hope you going to hope the Detroit Lions wave Trey Flowers, who's the same age as uh, as Frank Clark at twenty. He's had like four sacks the last two years. Maybe the Vikings will release Daniel Hunter, uh, and you know, but even then he, you know, he's played what seven games in the last two years due to injury. Uh, he's got the, the, the neck issue this last year. I mean, even some of the other guys who are out there are like, well, it'd be great to like, let's get rid of Frank and maybe we'll move the cards and reshuffle the deck to get this kind of guy. And I just don't know that anyone out there doesn't come with some sort of question mark, um, which is why they're either free agents or like could be a release candidate or trade candidate in the first place. So I like the idea of the Chiefs having Clark in hand in a with a new deal that then allows them to rebuild around at least some known quantity who's being paid at a proportional rate for his production. If, if Clark's up for it, I think the Chiefs should be up for it. Yeah.
3: I mean, I totally agree. And you bring up a great point. And I think this, just always like people, and, and even in the media, like we always overlook this stuff. So if Frank Clark leaves and everybody's a like, great cap space. Okay. Who are your defensive ends? <laughs> well, it's like, it's always, it's always that, that yin and yang, right? It's like when it's like when teams love to put the backup like the backup quarterback's always the most fam- popular guy in every city that doesn't have like a superstar quarterback. And then that guy gets involved and you're like, oh my God, yank that guy out. Put this <laughs> put the starter back in. It's like watching this, you know, it's like watching some kind of a horror film, right? Like at first, oh, it's just fun. And then by the, by the 50th minute, you're like the guy in the clockwork orange, they got like the eyes opened up. And you're, you're just screaming, looking at the screen. I think like do you want to see Joshua Kendo though, and Mike Dana uh, getting 80% of the snaps? Because I don't. Nothing against Mike Dana, who, by the way, I like as a rotational guy. But you're asking him now to just play full time. You're asking Kendo, though, who, who might end up being a good player, but like, who really did not show anything as a rookie. You're asking that guy to step in. If I'm the Chiefs, personally, I would explore a restructure. If they have to cut him, fine. But I would explore a restructure. I would also try to bring back Melvin Ingram. I think I think he was a really good fit for them. Played really well. But I'll tell you what, even if that happened, even if that happens, I'd still go out and try to get another pass rusher. Like, I would yeah. overkill that to the hilt. If they can go out and get a, get themselves a Hassan Redick, who I, I I will tell you right now, I think he is the most undervalued guy in free agency. I tweeted about this a couple of days ago. Most people probably could not tell you, their casual NFL fan, who he plays for, right? He played for the Cardinals in 2020 and the Panthers in 2021, and in those two years combined had 23 and a half sacks. He has been in the league for five years. He's 27 years old. He's played for four defensive coordinators. The guy is one of the best pass rushers in football. And I've seen so many people say, well, he's not a scheme fit. Guys, in today's day and age, when you're in the nickel and dime, 80% of the game, there's no such thing as a 3-4 defense and a 4-3 defense. It doesn't exist. It doesn't. And to be fair to Spags, he's one of the more multiple coordinators in the league. Melvin Ingram was a 3-4 outside linebacker his entire life before he got to Kansas City. And he played pretty damn well. Like it, there's there's not always a one size fits all for this stuff. I, I I think if I'm the Chiefs, I'm absolutely calling about all those edge rushers we talked about before. I wouldn't call on Klein. I know Patrick and you would. Um, that's fine. He's not my cup of tea. But I think you know. Also, this is actually a good draft for edge rushers. It is like it's it's not the best draft in the world, but it's a good draft for edge rushers. There's a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of guys. You look, when you've got the offense they've got, you got to get after the quarterback near side of the football. To be 29th in sacks is a joke. How are you 29th in sacks? When you got Chris Jones, you're paying Frank Clark a a billion dollars. You can't do it. Like, and Veach, by the way, talked about that in the presser after the season. Yeah. The D line. You know, look at the D line. We you saw how aggressive he was with the offensive line last year, and they didn't have the same amount of cash space they're probably going to have this year. I think they are going to be very aggressive. And I think they should be. That line should almost be to the point where it's almost embarrassing. Like you have no idea how you're going to play all these guys. That's what it should be. And I think if they do that, they'll, they'll be much better off for
2: it. All right. Lastly here, I'm just curious what you guys think about the wide receiver position. Um, obviously, the Chiefs could use a little bit of a bolster there. There are some interesting free agents that are going to hit the market. We've thrown around the names things will start to get more clear and specific as we move on in the offseason here. But if you had one guy that the Chiefs could bring in, whether it's a Godwin, whether it's a Juju Smith-Schuster, whether it's drafting a guy, who do you want it to be? I'll start with you, Bert.
3: On offense or in general? On, on
2: offense, at receiver.
3: What receiver? Godwin. Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. He, he's versatile as hell. He does everything. You can play him in the slide. Can play him outside. He's a great blocker. Allen Robinson would be my number two choice, by the way. Um, and Smith-Schuster would be three. And I think, and I think, look, any of those guys would be great. Like, by the way, if Mike Williams, if the Chargers are somehow like too too out of their minds to keep him, which I, I would be floored. I'm sure he'll be tagged, but like, he would be amazing. The size of that guy for the Chiefs, like, just whale it downfield and let it happen. But I I've loved Chris Godwin's game since he came to the league, and I think because of that versatility, he just fits everything that they like. The, the Chiefs have so much versatility built into their offense. Godwin's just he's an amazing piece for them like they could move him all over he creates so many mismatches the guy missed three games last year and had 98 catches and 1100 yards and missed three games like I I I, do I worry about the knee a little bit you always have to after an injury like that but in this day and age I feel like guys just come back from the ACLs now like it's nothing and I and I would expect that he will come back and I I am anticipating that and I I think he would be an amazing amazing fit for the Chiefs
4: you think the Bucs let him get away
3: uh I think he's gonna hit the market because it, the bucks they tagged him last year so they're not going to tag him again they're hard up against the cap and they got a lot of guys they got to resign. I mean there are a lot of guys Ryan Jensen's a free agent for them Leonard fournette Ronald Jones Giovanni Bernard uh Jason Pierre Paul Dominic Sue Jordan Whitehead Carlton Davis they got a lot of guys so I think there's a good chance he hits the market could they resign him sure but I, I think he will hit the market
4: I yeah but I- I mean, I, I mean that sounds great to me. It sounds like a little of uh, a pipe dream. I, yeah, I love Allen Robinson. I love the idea of a Calvin Ridley deal somewhere. You know, if I, if it could work out magically sure. in some way, boy, I, I mean, I I love watching Ridley. The thought of him in red and gold sounds great to me. So I, I go Ridley. Except, um, I mean, I hate to see the trade down. He have to. I would say if we can get him for a cheaper trade than a first rounder, um, I'd be in on Ridley.
2: I'm, I'm in on Godwin. I think he'd be a great pickup. Obviously, I don't think Devontae Adams is going to hit the market. If I did, he would definitely be at the top of my list. Do you guys think that – I got into this argument on Tuesday with Sterling because my philosophy is load the hell up on wide receiver. And the the reason for that is because I believe this is – yes, we need to get pass rush. But this is an offensive team. It's always going to be an offensive team with Patrick Mahomes. That's always going to be the team's best chance to win. And I very much fear a scenario where Travis Kelsey gets hurt or Tyree Kill gets hurt or you know Kelsey falls off. Anything like those things that could happen. The Chiefs have been pretty lucky with injuries when it comes to those two, right? They've missed some time here and there, but they've had them and they've had them when they needed them. So I think that she should load up. Sterling said, don't worry about it. They'll be fine. You're paying Mahomes half a billion dollars to distribute the ball and make other guys look good, get the defense going. What, what's your take on my load up on, on wide receivers and offensive weapons approach?
3: If it's at the detriment of the defense, I disagree, but if they can, but I don't know that it has to be this offseason. season. Like, Agreed. I would try if I were the Chiefs, I would try to sign one big guy on both sides of the ball. And they have the money to do it. They have the ability to do it. I would I would absolutely try and, and go that route. Like this is why they signed Mahomes to the contract that they signed him to. And I I can tell you for a fact, when they signed him to that deal, I reached out, I talked to people around the league, a lot of agents, a lot of agents were were perplexed that the Chiefs got him on that contract because they thought the way that contract was set up, that it was an absolute steal for the team. And then they extended Travis Kelsey, and I had one agent literally text me a string of expletives, like because he may or may not have also represented a tight end, and he was like, "How in God's name? Like, why would you do that? Why would you ever sign that deal if you're if you're Travis Kelsey? Because there's there's just so much meat on, left on the bone. The Chiefs have. I mean, look, it's it's hard to argue that they didn't take care of Mahomes. They paid him five hundred million dollars, but I, they <laughs> did it in a way. That was extremely intelligent. They left themselves a lot of ability to, to maneuver that money. And with Kelsey, Kelsey basically bet on himself that he's still going to be great when he's 35 years old. And the Chiefs were like, look, well, if you are. We're happy to pay you. So it was kind of a happy marriage in that regard. But look, they have the money to go out and do what they want to do this offseason. And based off what we've seen with Brett Beach, like when I think of free agency and I think of the tampering period. I think of like the, the the facial expressions of these general managers, having interviewed a lot of them and knowing them. And some guys I picture like that, they wake up that morning and they're like, Oh, is it free agency today? Like they wake up and they shuffle around their house <laughs> and like pet the dog. And like, is it I picture V just like chain smoking in his basement as a way like, <laughs> because they've been so aggressive under him, right? Like, try yeah. and find me the offseason where they haven't been aggressive. I remember last year when if you if everybody remembers. People were going nuts with them because they signed Tooney, but then they missed out on Williams. They missed out on Smith Schuster. They missed on Josh Reynolds. People are losing their minds. What are they doing? They had K1 Williams in for a visit. They couldn't come to a deal. Uh they had Melvin Ingram in the deal. The, and I, I remember reporting it and getting screamed at by fans. I'm like, look, the, the, it, they didn't get a deal, but like they had a really good, they had a really good visit. Like they might revisit it. Now I didn't know that they'd revisit it in October, uh, but they revisited it. Now Look, I, I really think, like, they can do it. But to answer the question directly, no, I don't think it's a bad idea. Like, they should – when you have this team, you should go all in every year. Right. Guns blazing. Yep. Like, that's what you do. That's why the Chargers, like, they have $55 million in cap space. They're out of their minds if they don't spend all that money. You have Herbert on a rookie contract. Like, you should be spending every dime you have. Like, they, that's what you do. And this idea, like, oh, they're going to be in cap hell. The saints are the living embodiment of cap hell and could not care any less and just pushing it and pushing it. But multiple agents believed before the pandemic hit that the cap was going to be $400 million by the end of this decade. Now I will, I will try to get a readjustment of that number when I was, when I'm at the combine, because that's when I originally reported that a couple of years back, I would guarantee you, they still think it's trying to be about 375, 380. Like it's 220 right now. If you're the chief's like, what the hell do you care? Right, well your pain is no. behind five years from now. It just doesn't matter. And so I think the Chiefs are gonna be very aggressive. And I think they should add a weapon offensively, but I also think they should really prioritize their pass rush above
2: all else. Do you guys see a big trade on the horizon, like the Orlando Brown Jr. deal last year?
4: I think if I think if the guy is there and the value is there for Brett Veach, he wouldn't hesitate to trade. For sure. I don't know that I would go fishing like to force a trade, but for sure, you know, if there's a perceived need yeah. and a values there, he's certainly not opposed to like dealing his draft assets, especially with the, with the extra third comp this year for Ryan Poles. I mean, that's I right. think That's a game changer in the, in his ability to feel even better about making a deal or, or adding a pick to sweeten the deal. Um, yeah. I, you got to love that for Veach in the next two drafts.
2: Yeah. And I think he showed us last year, right? He, he tried to sign Trent Williams in free agency. It didn't work out, but he knew Orlando Brown might be available. So I think we'll probably see a similar approach. He'll do free agency. He'll see what he can get. Just because the Chiefs want to sign somebody, as we saw last season, doesn't mean they're going to sign with the Chiefs. Sometimes they take less money for whatever reason to play elsewhere. So we got to see how free agency plays out that first wave. And then I think we'll have an idea of what might be coming in the draft and post-draft.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, the franchise tag deadline is March 8th. The window's open right now. It opened on Tuesday. I will continue to work and to, to bother people in the league to try and find out whether or not the Chiefs are going to tag Orlando Brown or if they're going to sign him or where that sits. But he's going to be back. It would behoove them to pay him now because if they have to tag him, it's like 16 and a half million against the cap. Yeah. And yet, if, if, if they sign him, let's say it's five and 105. All right, it's 21 a year, but that first year is probably six million bucks, seven million bucks. I like guess a huge difference. The big 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 unknown right now is what is going to happen with Tyron Matthew. Yeah. That is yes. the big one. That is the big one. Like what is going to happen with Tyron Matthew? Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? Because if he doesn't come back, that's a big big hole. Like I and I've seen a lot of people kind of like with the Bienenemy stuff, right? Like, oh, "I hope he leaves." Really? Cuz I got to tell you I'd like to hear who's playing safety then for them next season. You have Juan Thornhill and who exactly, you know, like Tyron Matthew. And I've had an argument with people about this. And like, I, I know people who vote for the hall of fame. I know what they look at. I've, I've, I've written features about it. Tyron Matthews going through the hall of fame. When he retires, it's happening. Like I'm telling you right now, he, if he retired tomorrow, he'd probably be in the hall of fame. He made an all decade team. He's been multiple first team, all pro. He's made a litany of Pro Bowls. He was a captain on a Super Bowl winning defense. Like he's going to the Hall of Fame. The Chiefs have a handful of guys who right now either are on track to or are in the Hall. Matthews one of them. Mahomes is one of them. Kelsey's the easiest one. He could retire tomorrow and be in. Tyree kills obviously on that track. Andy Reid, of course, will be in. Um, and we'll see with Chris Jones, right? But I mean, I like if they lose him, there's just almost this attitude, at least on my timeline, of like, oh, well, that's fine. It's like. How fine would it be if he signed with the Chargers? How fine would you feel then? Because don't forget that part of it, too. If he leaves, <laughs> like, he's signing somewhere. He's not retiring. How would you feel if he yeah. ended up in Buffalo, which he won't because they have Hyden? How would you feel if he ended up in Ravens? Baltimore? How would you feel about yeah. that? How about Cincinnati with Jesse Bates? How would you feel? Yeah. I Listen, I'm not saying that Matthew that this year there weren't some times it felt like, well, you know, was he the same guy was years prior, but he's still pretty damn good. Like, to just let that guy leave. It, let's put it this way. If they let him leave, then they got to fill that that spot. And that's either a premium pick or it's a lot of money in free agency. And if you're going to spend a lot of money in free agency, wouldn't you spend it on the guy who's headed to the Hall of Fame off your roster right now?
2: Just saying. Yeah. All right, we have got to wrap things up here. Uh, but uh, fun announcement. You guys, Matt Connor and Matt Verterham, you guys are going to the combine. You're going to be an Indy matt you're you're always in indie, but uh you're gonna be more in indie uh at the combine <laughs> um are you guys looking forward to that you're gonna you're gonna dig up some more uh interesting uh bits of news and interviews for us uh, yeah
3: damn right i'm not i'm not going there to hang out at the
2: uh the, the hotel <laughs> mini bar
3: right i mean yeah. uh i will do that as well uh that's not that's what, what you what told you me well the, where the listen you promised I'm drag me i you one of these nights to like to prime and it's three o'clock in the morning and you're just like, why am I here? Cause you smell like, like, like cigarette smoke and, and, you, <laughs> and, and, and bad, bad champagne. But look, it's, there's going to be a lot of insight. We'll, we'll be there. Uh, we're going to cover it wall to wall. We'll be doing some, you know, I'm sure some podcasts from there and we're going to have a ton of, you know, all of national coverage along with chiefs related coverage. Obviously Mr. Connor, there's going to be covering the chiefs wall to wall. Um, you know, will speak there. Uh, Andy Reid, I would anticipate will speak there, and so there's going to be plenty to get to, uh, and and I will be uh, pounding the pavement. Hopefully, hopefully not literally hitting face first into the pavement at about two
2: o'clock in the morning in Indianapolis. But uh, yeah, we'll be there. I might just have to. I'm not going to the combine, but I'm close enough that I might just have to drive down there and tie one on with you guys. Just get myself a hotel room and you know meet you at the steakhouse, meet you at the Marriott bar, and just go to town. There's no <laughs> well, Casey Beer Co. out there though. That's the problem. That's the problem with the drink off brand crap swill. Um, <laughs> all right. We got We've, we've, we've passed the hour mark. Um, guys, we were going to go live today. If I've Ram as usual time, we're not going to do that now. Cause we just, we, we, for God's sake, we got to get some actual work done, some other work done. This doesn't feel like work. Um, so we won't be seeing you at five today, but appreciate you hopping on with us for this emergency podcast of the Arrowhead Attic podcast. Um, as always, if you want to support the show, a couple things you can do. Tag at KC Beer Co. on Twitter. Let them know that you're checking out their product, that you heard about it on the Arrowhead Attic podcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review over there. Write a review, an actual written review. Ask us a question. We will answer it here on an upcoming podcast. Uh, and lastly, if you like what we do here, if you like us or at least can tolerate us and you want to hang out with us, Consider hitting that join button on YouTube and becoming an Arrowhead Addict member. Our members get access to special emojis, uh, special events, and, of course, private Discord channel with with Matt Verdera, Matt Connor, Sterling Holmes, and myself. We were hanging out last night just talking about uh, TV and one of the channels. Uh, I'm re-watching Boardwalk Empire. And we were talking about The Office. It's always a good time. Uh, it's pretty much going 24-7, that chat, and we're right in there talking Chiefs with you all. So if you're interested, check out the join button. Um, but great job, Matt Verram, on this report. We'll be keeping an eye on your timeline to see what is next. Matt Connor, always doing a great job on com. Make sure you are, that's your first stop for all Chiefs news and information. Um, and we will see you guys uh, next Tuesday. It'll probably be uh, some combination of us. So we'll, we'll see you then. But until then, for Matt Verderam, Matt Connor. My name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you on Twitter and then Discord. Until then, though, go Chiefs.